Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Forward Friends podcast. I am your host, Kelly, and I'm here today with... It's me, Thomas. Yes, and we are here today to discuss all things Paris Fashion Week, which just came to an end. And wouldn't you say that this Fashion Week was probably of the four major ones, the most like business as usual? It was the most business as usual, which was kind of a surprise for me. I know. Uh, Especially with, you know, the COVID numbers going up in... I know. In France, that it did really surprise me that... There was a lot of white elephant in the room. Like, hello, there's a a pandemic happening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, of course, I was very happy to see runway shows you know we had we saw a lot of really creative ways to host mm-hmm, quote-unquote in-person runway shows um so that was kind of cool but mm-hmm. overall it was definitely mostly business as usual which was again really weird <laughs> i know i mean the norm kind of the normalcy of it just felt strange because we're not living in a normal time but from a fashion point of view it really was fantastic to see so many great collections coming out day to day and just being like "Ooh, ooh, let me look at that let me look at that it was a lot of fun it was um you know and it was it was you know normal minus you know mcqueen and Mm -hmm. uh celeron yeah uh which both are kind of expecting to show you know independent between now and you know february so i'll be excited to see what they do with those for sure yeah so we have i mean as always the paris fashion week schedule was jam-packed so we don't want to bore everyone talking about everything but i also know we have some strong thoughts on a number of the collections so i thought we could kind of do yes Similarly to what we did with Milan, which is talk about some key collections, but then do um, some lightning round. How does that sound? Sounds perfect to me. Do you want to kick things off with Dior? Because that kind of kicks things off really for Fashion Week. It was the start of the schedule. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can leave my my thoughts here. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. Thomas and I have already... From the Dior show, decided that we're going to have to do a full episode on Dior, so we won't yeah. labor, labor on it too much today. But right. yeah, uh, I wrote down in my my quick handed notes: dark, moody, elitist trash. It was awful. It was awful. Even the soundtrack. I mean, it started okay. The vocals were beautiful, and then it just went. It was bizarre. Like we talked about how in Milan, Valentino took us to church and here we are, Dior set up this whole church setting and it felt like we went to a funeral. Like it was just the death of Dior. I hated it. It, it, yeah. I will save all of my thoughts on Dior and what has happened to it for our future episode on Dior. 
but it was trash. No, the, nothing about the collection was good. I don't like the tie dyes. I don't yeah. like the gowns. I don't like the coats. The shoes were terrible. The bags, I'm so over that stupid I'm book bag. No, retire the book bag. And by the way, Maria, just releasing the same thing in a different print is not designing. Anybody nope. could do that. Yep. Uh, but I'm not going to let that get me off into that tangent because this will become the Dior episode because I, I, I just I, – I, I will I, say I liked the, the makeup. I always liked the makeup. I honestly don't even remember it. Again, I didn't watch the actual show because I was at work and I just didn't have time to sneak away up at my desk to do it. But you know, texted you and I was like, oh my God, it's so bad. It made me like nauseous. And I was like, you, oh my you God. You texted me and then I went on to Vogue Runway and I looked at the pictures and I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't rush to work, um, you know, move, move yeah. things around so I could watch this because it was, it was trash. Ugh, it was bad. But the next I thought we could talk about on a higher note, a collection that both surprised Surprised me that we pretty much both, I think, liked it at least more than we expected, which was Louis Vuitton. Okay, so we did have this this text exchange where we both liked Louis Vuitton. In the moment, I did really like Louis Vuitton. I liked think, a lot of the things. I'm that sorry, I, I think Nicolas or is it Nicolas? Yes. Nicolas Gesquier. Yes. I think he's starting to wear me down. I think that's got to be what it is. I, th- there, are, there are pieces I like for sure, but the more and more I ruminated on this collection, the more and more I hated it. I think uh, a lot of the style. The shoes. The shoes were horrible. Slipper shoes were really, really bad. I mean, from, uh, you know, Minnie Mouse to, you know, Barbie Toads, you know, Moon Boots, none of it was okay. I kind of uh, liked the Minnie Mouse pumps. They're not, not bad, lie. but to me, we've been there, we've done that, Margiela's mm-hmm. done it, you know, uh, Mark Jacobs has done it, Louis Vuitton didn't need to do it. Yeah. And... They were just gray, and and I'll say I want the sequin suit. I will wear the sequin pantsuit. I'd love to see like Anna Wintour wear the sequin pantsuit. I know she doesn't <laughs> wear pants very often, but you know yeah. it would be a fun little look for her. Uh, but overall, it doesn't excite me, especially after this kind of very like a little bit more sophisticated color block chic minimalist mm-hmm. style that he's put out for kind of customer carpet moments in Venice and from the pre-fall collection. Those really stood out to me. And then he was back on this 80s whack for this collection. And I'm just like, the 80s called, they want their designs back, give something new, give something interesting. And Go back to your your you know your really creative days in the early days of Balenciaga. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts on Vuitton. That's interesting that you're as tired of the '80s things, but liked Balmain so much. Yeah, I did sort really of love 
Beaumont. <laughs> but I think what I don't, what I didn't like about Vuitton 80s is the, the color throw-up prints. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Balmain, yes, they had the big pagoda shoulders and neon. It didn't, it felt like more modern, where Vuitton felt like it could have been pulled out of a vintage shop and put on a runway. I'm always curious for Vuitton, because it seems to me like their bread and butter is accessories, handbags, especially. So I, I always kind of feel like, Maybe the ready-to-wear collections are just a little bit more avant-garde and theatrical and not necessarily something they expect their customer to buy into because their bread and butter are the luxury bags. Right. I think their clothes are, are, you know, for the experimental millionaires and billionaires and their wives for – to be able to really – by the clothes. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that, you know, your average run of the mill, like if somebody has a million dollars, I don't think they're going out to buy Louis Vuitton clothes. Probably uh, not, no. I think there I are I bags, think, luggage, bags, yeah. luggage, you know, but that, that kind of woman is going to go and buy Gucci and Saint Laurent and you know, Balmain and then style it with Vuitton handbags, mm-hmm. shoes, maybe some sunglasses, belts. But the the clothes isn't necessarily where their bread and butter is at. And I think that shows when it comes to red carpet. Mm, definitely. I, I am terrified to know what red carpet will come out of this collection. Because there isn't red carpet potential in anything besides the silver sequin suit. No. No, it definitely was a very daytime collection. And I don't know. It it, it, it makes me, weren't they supposed to be co sponsoring the Met Gala this year? Makes me wonder. We're supposed to. If they're going to do it next year, I kind of hope not. I (laughs) hope not. While I hope not, I'm sure that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah. Um, though the money that they've put that, that they put towards it is still opening the med exhibit, even though there will be no gala, mm-hmm. it, the the exhibition is opening in I think this weekend. Uh, so if you're in New York and you can go to the Met, because I know only residents of the state. Yes, the I'm, state, and then I think certain neighborhoods of New Jersey. Um, are allowed to visit please go and enjoy it because it is an exhibition that i personally send us pictures i was personally planning to book a flight to go to new york so i could see this exhibition because i was really really excited about it um so i'm glad that it is still getting uh released even though i won't be able to see it maybe it'll extend its stay and we can go maybe after i don't know who knows (laughs) all right well do you want to talk about balmon i feel like we've had some lengthy discussions but i think we should just get balmon over with and then move on to in my opinion better things Okay. <laughs> I I want you to start out by explaining your feelings on Balmain so I can tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Also, speaking of debating type things, I want our listeners to know that Thomas has already reneged on what his 
initial thoughts were on Prada. My thoughts on Balmain, though, I don't see them budging. But we'll see. I, 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 I pulled Prada. I was, I, she's saying this because I sent her my 10 favorite collections of the season and Prada was in it. And uh, not Valentino. And not Valentino. And I, I, it all comes down to with Prada, the very ladylike looks with the whole cutout sweaters. They every were time. So good. Every, that is when I think of this season, it's one of the first things that pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. That's so. where my, that's where my mind changed on Prada. I still stand behind. I don't think Roth will last. Yeah. Um, on Balmain, I, I also start by saying I'm not a fan of Olivier. I've never been a fan of Olivier. I don't even really know if I'm a fan of Balmain. I didn't think I was until speaking of the Met earlier this year when I was at their um, fashion history exhibit and there was archived Balmain couture pieces. Those to me were beautiful. And I was like, oh, I really like those. But I, in recent years, in the last decade or so, just haven't been a big fan of Balmain. Um, I will say I think this collection was a stronger collection for Olivier than his more recent ones. And I think it got a lot more attention than his recent ones because, I mean, really the last few seasons, I don't think you really see much or hear much. But like Vogue, all these people were really hyping up his collection. But I just, I don't like it at all. I think it's, to me, a cheaper version of things that I would go elsewhere for, a power suit, a cocktail dress, everything else. Like to me, I can see where his thought is. I just don't think the execution ever lines up. So we're going to take a little fashion history lesson. Balmain was a, you know, one of the, the big couture houses alongside Dior, Balenciaga, Givenchy in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. And it did kind of die out. Um, in the 90s, it was helmed by Oscar de la Renta. And he left uh, in the turn of the millennium. Mm-hmm. And up to when Oscar left, it was very much that ball gown couture very much what you expect to think of when you think of vintage couture and it was a in the late 2000s you know the pierre had left had died uh de la renta had left and balmain was kind of in a spiral there there they they couldn't they lost a lot of money still are Say something. <laughs> uh, and then Christophe de Caron <laughs> took over the house and kind of did a Heidi Slimane at Saint Laurent and Celine and flipped the house on its head and made it this sexy, super clubby girl uh, kind of a vibe. And I kind of, I, I, I blame Balmain for the Instagram model of the world. Cause that's really where I think that started. 
Um, and then the left and Olivier Rousting was his right hand and took over the, the brand and st- is still there today. Um, and I've not been the biggest fan of Olivier, but I did like how this collection seemed to run back to those circa 2009 where, you know, it was the early days of Lady Gaga and Shakira was wearing it and Beyonce was wearing it on the red carpet back when she actually had style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was the, the big shoulders that Dakarn did, but more in the 1970s pagoda style from Cardin. Uh, He also pulled the original 1970s Pierre Balmain monogram, which ends up looking like the Greek key from Versace, but was Balmain's before it was Versace's, uh, and used that. And I thought that this collection for him, it it was dialed back. There wasn't as many things happening in every look. Um, There wasn't shoulders and flowers and crystals and embellishments. It was like two of those things. It was much more streamlined. Um, Now in the finale, when all of the models walked in evening gowns wearing no shoes, I didn't understand it. But I did like the, the collection overall. It was definitely, I think, his strongest collection to date. And I think what I liked about this one is I feel several of the seasons recently, which I feel like we'll cover in our creative director episode coming up, he's been auditioning for Chanel. I know you really think that. Doesn't, didn't scream Chanel by Olivier to me. It did scream inherently Balmain. I think Olivier, if if Chanel wanted him, I think he would be there. He's been throwing these looks out for years now. I think there's a reason he's not there. Um, They know who he is. He leads one of the biggest French classical houses. I just, I could be wrong, but I really do not see him at Chanel. And we can debate that yeah. more in the <laughs> creative director episode because I, I do have some strong thoughts on who should be at Chanel as well as Dior. Yeah, I have a, a lot of people I'd love to see at Chanel. One thing I will say, because I don't want to just totally bash on Olivier, I if he came out with a makeup line, I would be so there. He's yeah. so good. <laughs> um, and I I mean I did get those Balmain L'Oreal lipsticks, hated them, they were trash. But I don't I can't really fault him for that because it was, you know, a drugstore collaboration. Yeah. If they came out with like a line of some great makeup, I would hundred percent be there. I have a feeling that that is coming, especially if he stays at Balmain, because he does mm-hmm. have the Balmain hair care couture. Yeah. So something tells me that he'll get into makeup, you know, especially with his love of contour. I mean, he's the man looks great always. Uh, and I mean, he's got some cheekbones, but we know that there's some makeup going on there too. Wow. Yes. So since the the name has been invoked, do you want to talk about Chanel? Okay. Um Yes. Let's talk about Chanel. 
my thoughts on it, I, same with what we said about Dior, I think we it will lead into a bigger conversation of where the future of the house we think should go. But in terms of for, for Ginny's collections, I think it definitely was her strongest. Yes. And, and I liked it immediately. And then the more I look at it, I like it more and more. And I think it will please the Chanel customer in a way that it hasn't the last few seasons. Ready to wear it for them is actually a big part of their budget. So it's important for their ready yeah. to wear to sell. And I think the traditional Chanel customer will be interested in this collection. So I wouldn't call this her most successful collection. Uh, I would personally rank her pre-fall 2020 collection as her most successful. But this collection definitely is the strong runner-up. Um, I was nervous seeing all of these, you know, invitations going out where it was Chanel, like the Hollywood sign. I'm like, just what we need. Another old Hollywood themed collection. Yeah. Uh, how many times are we going to do this? But it didn't feel, you know, costumey, which is what I expected it to look like. Uh I don't like Virginie. I think she was told that you better get your shit together this season or you're out. And I think a conversation was had. <laughs> I do. Uh, and I'm it to me, this isn't enough to warrant letting her stay based on the last year of collections. But we'll see what what happens there, and yeah, more to conversation think, to be had. I in think the next she episode. potentially is safe for the next season or two, just because of everything that is going on. But I wouldn't say that. At the same time, I was going to say I, you could be completely wrong. Like we, we didn't expect. Out. We thought Claire was safe. I know we could get. Oh, women's wear daily drop at 7 a.m. <laughs> and yeah. be like, oh, okay. And it won't it won't be unexpected because she hasn't really established herself. She, she she doesn't have an aesthetic. No. Uh she's a, she she could be a great second hand, but I don't see her leading the house long term. No, I think she would be really wonderful working as a second hand under somebody or I mean I guess a smaller label but I just I think it's a really really big job to be creative director of Chanel and I just uh, don't think yeah I mean and she has literally the biggest shoes ever to fill which is Carl so and and every one of her collections are going to be critiqued criti critiqued alongside his vision mm-hmm even more so because she just continues to do Carl. Yeah. She needs uh, to venture into a different direction. If she if she wants to succeed there, I think she has to establish her own Chanel. I think so too. Because she's not going to be able to out, out Carl. Carl. No. 
I think the only person who's successfully out Carled Carl is Sylvia Fendi. Yeah, she's doing great. Um, and I think that Fendi was an afterthought for Carl to begin with. Yeah, so was his was his, his baby. baby. Uh, and then he gave up on Carl Lagerfeld and just let you know design interns create that. So he let Chanel be his his life. Uh, and he breathed life into so many brands over the years. Mm-hmm. But his aesthetic is most synonymously known with Chanel. And I'm, I'm ready to see what the, what the future of Chanel has. I just don't know if Virginie is part of that future anymore. Yeah. I just don't, I, I want her to succeed. And I don't want to be critiquing her every season. I'd love to see her be, you know, succeeding, doing well, but I just, I'm not sure it's the right place for her right now in her career. Yeah. As I said, great second hand. I don't think she has what it takes to be a couture legacy house creative director. Okay. Should we talk about Givenchy? Speaking of creative direction changes. Okay. Here is my my take. Everybody that knows me and knows my uh, aesthetic knows that I loved Claire Wait Keller yeah. at Givenchy. Uh, and I was gobsmacked earlier this year when she was out. I know. And then they named Matthew Williams the creative director and I'm like okay I'm gonna give this a shot I gave it a shot and I get I get that Claire's Givenchy didn't sell I think it was such a such a hard stylistic change from the Ricardo Tisci yeah Givenchy woman to the Claire Wait Keller Givenchy woman. They were very different. Mm-hmm. Ricardo was downtown. Claire was uptown. Up, uptown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Claire was more old school. Ricardo is new school. Yes. And I think that that took a lot of it took a lot of way. F- a lot of clientele away from Givenchy. So they decided to go back to somebody along those Ricardo lines with Matthew Williams. And that's exactly what I see with the leather devil horn baseball caps and the little bit of, you know, sportswear vibe. And, uh, you know, it's it'll sell, you know, because the world has fallen into the hands of hype beasts and I hate mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, not everybody wants streetwear and everything is turning into streetwear and I hate it. I know. We're and, all fashioned. And I, I, you know, I hate, you know, skinny 
emo white boys telling us what streetwear is. Streetwear is not inherently white. Stop mm-hmm. trying to make streetwear white. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, if you want streetwear, you call up the boys from Hood by Air. You call up Virgil. You call up Public School. You you know, those are the, the if you're looking for streetwear. I don't call a white dude, except for maybe Demma at Balenciaga. It is strange. I mean, because I love classic Givenchy. I have a collection of classic Givenchy jewelry. And I never really think of Givenchy, the house, as an urban (laughs) vibe. And that's definitely where they want to take things. And I don't, I just, I don't get it. And maybe it's to stand out on the couture circuit because most of the other couture houses do stick to that very feminine ladylike glamour. Mm -hmm. But that's what the couture client buys. Right. Uh, You know, Ricardo took Givenchy out of couture because it wasn't selling. Yeah. I I even this collection made me even miss Ricardo there. I he yeah. had some really phenomenal collections with Givenchy. I, 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 I'm not, I do not want to tear down Ricardo at Givenchy. No, he could still because be there even if it, he, I mean, could, I'd be fine with him still there. I can't believe – I thought he was going to – I honestly, when Claire was gone, I thought Ricardo was going back because it was like Claire dropped and then there was rumor that he was being pushed out of – Right, out of Burberry. Burberry. And I thought he was going back to Givenchy. And I honestly, I would have preferred it over the trash that we saw in this collection. A hundred percent. There's one gown that I think Zendaya would look fantastic in, but it's early 2000s Dolce. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, some of the, the Givenchy devotees like Rooney Mara and... Uh, Julianne Moore, what they do with this collection. Stylist loved Claire's work. Like, she was pulled a lot. I know that stylists did. Stylists were devastated. And so, even if it makes red carpet appearances, I don't think it really matters. I think clearly Givenchy is looking at what sells their customer, not so much Kate Blanchett and... Rooney Mara, who's a new mom. Congratulations. But yeah, it definitely to me is not even in the sphere of elegance of things that we've seen Ricardo do. And it's definitely nowhere near what Claire did. Yeah, no. Um, It's definitely speaking to a whole new customer. It felt so like Alexander Wang to me. Yeah, it it looks like it looked like what Alexander Wang kind of did at Balenciaga, mm-hmm. uh, with the, the same kind of idea. I also miss Alexander Wang at Balenciaga. So, I, they haven't been the same since he left. No, 
Yeah. Okay, who's next? Or do we want to do a lightning round? Okay, let's do a few quick ones. Do you want to talk about um, Tom Brown? Where's my notes on Tom Brown? <laughs> so Tom Brown, for our listeners, he's always very avant-garde with his shows. They didn't do an in-person show, so they staged this fake Olympic Games on the moon in year, like, 2132. So it was very much bizarre, as we're used to seeing from Tom Brown. And it was a very, very heavily white collection with some great sunglasses. But it was more of the same. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that about Tom Brown because I've always applauded his creativity. I, I love Tom Brown. I have one of my favorite things in my closet is a Tom Brown um, collab from Target that I got, I don't know, about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And still one of my favorite things to be able to pull out and wear. But I, I miss... I miss Tom Brown where each season was different. I starting to feel like every season is starting to look the same. And I'm, I'm craving fashion. I want fashion to be fun again. I don't want fashion to be, I know what every designer is going to show every season in a new colorway. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't his last spring collection, the one where it was the blazers, very androgynous. And there were like blazer dresses and everything. It was very different from that. I can't, I should have looked back at what his fall 2020 collection his was. His fall 2020 collection had, was, um, it was all the, it was all about androgyny and they had a male and a female model walk next to each other mm-hmm. wearing the exact same look. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love androgyny. I love making, you know, the masculine feminine and the feminine masculine, but it, it the way it was done again it was the same layered coats and tweeds and cuts and shapes that i'm used to seeing from tom brown so i wasn't as excited to see it the sunglasses right. were good though they were really good okay let's discuss kenzo um who sadly passed yes which oh, i'm so Heartbroken by that because what a talent. I loved the spring collection. I thought it was everything that I wanted to see from Kenzo this season. What did you think? Um, Beekeeper Glam. Loved it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily the biggest Kenzo fan all in all, but I did really like this collection just for the fun avant-garde element of it all, which is what I lacked in a lot of the other collections. It was definitely one of the bolder collections. Uh, I don't know who will wear the beekeeper looks. I don't think it'll sell. Gaga. But Gaga could. (laughs) Um, You know, Gaga, Cardi... You know those kind of people, but I don't know they were sold, but they see it in like a W magazine editorial. No, no, this is, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely designed for editorial. Um, you know, and that that's that's the thing about fashion that I miss. I miss mm-hmm. the days when designers would do 
a runway show and have special pieces that are just for the runway show that, you know, you could call the, you know, the flagship and have custom made for you, but it wasn't intended to sit on a rack. Yeah. But the stuff that was intended to sit on a rack was still created and presented to buyers in an appointment, not necessarily on the runway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd rather see a smaller runway collection and a bigger commercial collection later. And that's what Kenzo gave me. I'm just glad there weren't any tiger sweatshirts and t-shirts this season. (laughs) Yeah, especially after the Tiger King thing. We're all tired of that. Uh, Yeah, I just rolled my eyes. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Gabriella Hearst because she made her Paris Fashion Week debut and she was, I believe, the CFDA's women's wear recipient this year. She was. I I like Gabriella Hearst. I like the concept of her brand. I like the nod to the 70s, but still very, very modern. Uh, I thought Paris suited her very well. Uh, I I think that, you know, after years of showing at New York Fashion Week, that Paris was a new, it's an ideal for all New York designers to show in Paris. Uh, and some it works for and some it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought it worked for her. Um, I don't know if it if it will be more of a permanent I basis. Wanted, I like her. I, I do. Don't get me wrong. But for her Paris Fashion Week debut, I I'll be honest. I wanted more. Oh, it was it was no uh, Rodarte in Paris or Proenza Schooler in Paris by any sense of the imagination. It would it wasn't even an outsuit Zara in Paris. But it, but it was quintessentially Gabriella Hurst, but it did feel just slightly elevated to the French aesthetic. Yes. And I, we can mention Alta Zara because they're another one that skipped over from New York Fashion Week. And right. I, I really enjoyed their collection this season. I did. I, I love Joseph Altuzara. I think the move to Paris several seasons ago did do very well for him. Uh, I do think he fits in the effortless French style. So he fits in well to the Paris fashion week flow. Uh, I did love this collection. It was chic, sophisticated, refined, you know, his signature tailoring was on point but also the draping, the looseness of some of the pieces. It was a great collection. Mm-hmm. And I loved the, I guess it's kind of like a peachy, rusty orange. It's a very interesting color to me. Yeah. I loved that color. Uh, I really loved his use. I really loved all of his like military green pieces in the collection. Those are probably my favorites. I'm looking at the Aspidrol sandals, though, and thinking. I mean, he yeah. loves it. There was a platform Aspidrols. 
I uh, maybe with the wedge, of- the wedge I like the platform flat snow. When he did the the espadrille stiletto several seasons ago, I remember like you just made espadrilles cool, like like you made espadrilles sexy. These espadrilles weren't sexy. No, they and were. he really put them on every single model. Yeah, even the more evening wear elegant dresses they're paired with these sandals i don't know either way i still give the collection an a i enjoyed it i give it a, I give it a good a okay this is one i thought you would really enjoy but i think i was the one who enjoyed it the most what about Dries? <sighs> i'm going to to, to preface this whole statement that's about to come out of my mouth was the fact that I do love Dries Van Noten. I want to wear Dries Van Noten all the time. Yeah. But in my notes, I wrote three words. Pretty, but substandard. Substandard for him, you think? Or just yes. in general? Yeah. For him. You know, he sets the bar consistently very high. He is... T- he will always and forever be the master of mixing pattern, texture, color, embellishment in the best ways possible. And, you know, a lot of people don't get Dries. No, I they do. don't. We do. We love them. Yes. Uh, I get it. And his, his collections can be very overwhelming. But when you stop and look at each look and then dissect the pieces in each look, which is how you're buying Dries. You're not Mm -hmm. buying Dries to wear it head to toe like people buy Gucci. Right. Uh, The Gucci woman is not buying Dries Van No. Simple as that. But this collection, there, there was very little of what I always think he is known for. He used color for yeah. sure, but I was missing the, the, the texture and the, the, the embellishment, the clashing of things. It wasn't, it wasn't there for me except on one skirt that kind of reminded me of make the coffee filter tie dye things that I used to make when I was a kid that was really good but honestly aside from that in the collection all i all i can think of is you know the models dancing around in a light box i don't remember the clothes i loved there was a coat that is my favorite entire coat of this entire season and a few dresses that i really really loved i think it definitely seemed not as strong as the last few seasons from him. Like, it didn't make my jaw drop, but I still very much enjoyed it. And I do think I would look great in it. <laughs> I think you would, too. Um, Just putting that out to the universe. 
You can wear this collection. <laughs> I'll go back to the spring 2020 collection and pull that for when we get to sit front row at the show in fashion. Yeah, week. when they have a show again. Yeah. I do wish they had I wish they had a runway show instead of the like editorial video presentation because I think we would have understood the collection better. I, that that's very possible. I may see pieces later and be like, Change your wow, yeah. where was that? But in how it was presented and the images and the video that was presented, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I do think that he, his woman is, you know, she's in quarantine. She's relaxed. She's not wearing sequins and feathers and, you know, lots of embellishment. Right. Did I get that? I do. I do understand that. Um, that's not exactly what's going to sell right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to call it a, you know, I'm going to trump this collection up to COVID and move on to next season. All right. This is a quick one. I'm a, I don't know if you even really notice this collection much, but I wanted to mention Alexis Maybeal just because I normally love Maybeal's collections. This one was odd to me i'm gonna say more of the same again yeah because it is his it's his couture on a budget and i could reference all of the couture looks from his past that created the looks and the ready to wear um i don't typically love his ready to wear shows i do tend he's definitely his pre-collections yeah excels at couture Couture pre-collections like resort and pre-fall usually love. Mm-hmm. Spring and fall, I usually don't. Um, so I, he's not usually somebody that's very much on my radar. I think he's I think an it, underrated yeah. couture designer. Um, but I think I think it was I a weak collection. Yeah, I wouldn't go and buy his ready to wear though. No. What did you think about um, low? <laughs> Color, Bl- volume, shape. Bless, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Anderson. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to say it now. I know we're going to talk about our favorite co- favorite seasons later, um, but Paris Fashion Week to me was my least. It was on my, it was, you know, towards the bottom of my list. Um, I felt a lot of it was more of the same. I felt like there was a lot of really ugly shit. Um, But Jonathan Anderson delivered with this Loewe collection. It was fantastic. Uh, It was you know, surrealist, it was Elizabethan, it was Warhol, it was, there. you can't nail down what it was. It was Jonathan Anderson. It was brilliant. I mean, I want, I wish I could have gotten one of the wallpaper boxes that he's like Susie Bogle and all that. Yes. Uh, I'm like, Okay, I'm about this. I'm excited about this. This it was a great way to present the collection. Um, you know, he's done the boxes the last couple of the last two seasons um, between the menswear, the resort, and 
now the spring collection. Um, and he did it not just for Loewe, but for his own J.W. Anderson line, um, which I also love J.W. Anderson too. Like he, Jonathan Anderson is a creative beyond imagination. Um, I don't want him to see him go anywhere else. I, you know, as much as I love him and, you know, he could definitely deliver major couture. I, 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 I don't want to see it. I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to be bogged down behind, you know, a brand, a big brand like Dior or Chanel or Givenchy or Balenciaga, where there he's going to have so many restrictions. I feel like, you know, while he's the creative director of Loewe, it's a he does get to do whatever he wants, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the price of a Loewe knit dress from the last collection and said, are you kidding me for that? It's couture level quality and pricing. He just doesn't have to show it couture fashion week. He doesn't need an atelier. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next definitely collection. one of my favorite collections. Next collection I loved. I'm not sure what you thought of it, but. It was such a statement collection to me. We have to talk about Rick Owens. Which I think is kind of what Louis Vuitton tries to do and fails a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm never, like, Rick Owens is never one of my favorite labels. Like, I love a Rick Owens leather jacket. Um, It's never one of my favorite collections. It's always definitely super out there uh, and that was definitely the case with this one uh, it was cool you know he definitely does that grungy rock glam thing and I appreciate that and that's kind of my thoughts on the some collection of, some of the looks from the collection reminded me of the Hunger Games franchise films and what the peacekeepers would wear I was like oh yeah. my gosh it totally looks like Rick Owens is dressing peacekeeper style yeah I would I, I could see that alright do you want to s- discuss Nina Ritchie? Ritchie sure that one had and I bring this up because we've been very vocal about bucket hats before. I've, I'm editing my statement that I don't like bucket hats to say I like bucket hats if they have structure. So, so, so it's not it, – those aren't bucket hats. They're sort of, cloches. Well, you know what I mean. The shape. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, there are a lot of people that hate these new Nina Ricci hats. I put – uh, yeah, I put the hats on my Instagram and did a poll, and so many people messaged me that they looked like, like they hated them. One person said that they looked like Lego hats, which I kind of had to agree <laughs> with. It's <laughs> like you're not wrong; they do. Um, I d- when Nina Ricci got these new creative directors, I guess it was like two or three seasons ago now. Uh, at first I hated them and they did these hats in that first collection and I hated the hats. And then in the second collection, I kind of, they did it again and I kind of warmed up to it again a little bit. And, you know, this electric blue hat just won me over. Um, I was honestly 
when I was planning, when I did all of my Met Gala, what could have been, had there been a Met Gala wishes, um, I put a, a Nina Ritchie look um, in a wish for Allison Williams to to kind of give a very like Audrey Hepburn kind of a moment. And I put her in one of these hats because I felt like it would have worked for the Met Gala red carpet. Like I wouldn't put it on any other carpet, but for the the theme this year, which was supposed to be, uh, you know, all about the endur- the endurance of fashion and how it history repeats itself in fashion. I thought it would have worked. Seeing it in electric blue, the all black kind of very breakfast at Tiffany's look that I did for for her, I would have done it in all electric blue now. <laughs> I the Nina Ritchie collection this season made me very happy because it used it to be it used to be a label that I looked forward to always at Paris Fashion Week. And then since Peter Coping left, I really don't feel like their collections have really even stood out to me. So they have co- new – is this their third season, the, the new co-creative directors? I'm not even going to – I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to pronounce their names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I Rishmi um, and Lisi, I think, are their first names. So they started. I'm looking on Vogue. That's their first collection. I think this will just may verify. Uh, was the fall 2019 collection? Okay. So March of last year was their first collection. Um, this is their th- third or fourth. Yeah. I, it makes me optimistic. It really does that Nina Ritchie could become really exciting to me again. Yeah. I, I do want to see Hollywood re- embrace it because I feel like the, the, the collections you know, that they have presented have been very red carpet friendly. Minus these hats. And we haven't seen it on a carpet. So I do want to see that happen. Um, I think the only person who's given us Nino Ricci with a hat on the red carpet has been Zendaya. And, you know... Yeah, she they, can do no wrong. They need to hire. I think if they really want to get to that level, they're going to have to hire a better publicist. A new publicist. Uh, yeah, I you know put them. You know, they need they need to hire the guy who is at Burberry now, who was at Calvin Klein. Yeah. During Roth, because uh, he. Uh, he put Roth by Calvin Klein everywhere. So I think if they they were able to steal him from Burberry, which I don't think they could, I don't think they have the budget for it. No. But they need to get somebody along those lines or somebody who has the the chutzpah to go out and get it. I mean, but if they keep delivering strong collections like this one, I do think... Even without a publicist, the the fashion girls that we love, Zendaya, whatnot, they will find this collection and they will say, "I want to wear it." There, um, there are definitely, you know, Zendaya. I could see Kate. I could see Kate uh, or Kate Blanchett. I could see Kate Bosworth. Um, you know, 
easy in looks from this collection. Uh, Diane Kruger. Yes. Uh, uh, Chastain. Like they're all, they all could wear this collection. They should all wear it for what is that? Three, five, five or whatever that movie that dropped with <laughs> Lupita Chastain and Diane Kruger and Penelope Cruz. And Fen Bing Bing. I mean, that's and... going to be. <laughs> so and, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the best cast um, ever. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, when they first kind of teased that at the Cannes Film Festival, I think it was last year or the year before that, and it was supposed to be Diane Kruger replaced Marion Cotillard, and you know, uh, Diane can do pretty no much wrong. no wrong for me, so. I was glad that she replaced Marion, who was, can do like a lot of things. Well. I like, I like her, Marion, but she's also very boring. Yeah, I just she's I can see contracts. I can see Diane bringing some spice and some fun to that film, which is clearly what it's all about. I mean. It's going to be so good. I'm very excited for that. I'm, I'm very excited. I just hope that we actually get a press tour. We get a red carpet. You Please. know, it's supposed to come out at the beginning of next year. I know. I was surprised that they gave it like a January or a February release. Yeah, it's got a it's got an early release, which means I'm not sure if it's going to like try and sneak in to be like a big contender for Oscar season. That's I can't because normally January is a dead time. Like if it's released in January, the you can tell the box office like they don't think it's going to do that well. But since awards, the Oscars season, moved in, changed the rules. They yeah, think they're uh, looking at it as a, an award contender. Uh, uh, you know, I just want if it's if they're going to release it, then I want every single one of them on every single red carpet or at every single virtual award show or whatever they do for the Globes, the SAGs, and the Oscars. I want them at all of it. I know. All of them. Because they are all fashion people. I guarantee, like, if the casting directors already did what we would have done. Like, if I said, Thomas, if you could pick some people to be in a film, who would you pick? That would be, like, your lineup. Pretty much. Lineup. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, now they all need to like headline a uh, a film festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may be a better cast fashion wise than Oceans. I think it is, and and that's saying a lot because Kate was in that yeah, cast. I know. <laughs> uh. But Kate's press tour for that was very disappointing. The only memorable look I thought was very disappointing. The movie was terrible. Yeah. Um, Anne was good in it, though. She was good. Yeah. The only good look that came out of that press tour was Sarah Paulson's lime green Prada. Yeah, that was an iconic moment. Very much a statement making moment for her. Okay, let's get back to Paris Fashion Week. Okay. Um, uh, let's discuss the Hermes clogs. Do we have to? <laughs> Can we just pretend you, that they didn't happen? Both loved that collection. The clothes, yeah, the clothes so was great. Much. 
And I was like looking at the the photos, like, are those clogs? Wait, are uh, those clogs? They're, those are really clogs. And then they had a reseat, and you got would get more details up on the shoes, <laughs> and they were percent old school wooden sole clogs. And they're ugly. Now, you know, we said this earlier where clothes about Vuitton, where, you know, accessories are where Hermes thrives. Exactly. Um, you know. And their lipsticks now. <laughs> I know you love their lipsticks. Yeah. Um, but... This has to be the best ready-to-wear collection from Hermes. Ever. Probably since Gautier left. I mean, it was so good. I mean, I loved Hermes. Yeah, I I loved Hermes by Gautier. But when he left, I felt like Hermes became irrelevant. Except for vintage Mm -hmm. Birkins and Kellys. Like... It wasn't. It, there was no necessity to have an Hermes runway show, but this show was phenomenal. I want pieces from this collection in my closet, and you could see the attention to detail that they put into their bags was really paid in a lot of the leather pieces that were worn on the runway, from coats to dresses to skirts and pants, uh, and. Hermes is a leather house, like mm-hmm. that's it at its core. So I think that they paid great homage to it. I think they were able to shine in a season where a lot of the big heavy hitters didn't show, and it allowed for people to really take a notice again at Hermes. I think that's an excellent point because we didn't see Saint Laurent, we didn't see Alexander McQueen, Celine was off this schedule so i do think it made people notice their collections plus i think people are into their lipsticks and they just rolled out more so i think i think it i think all the stuff is aligned 70 dollar lipsticks i i i'm a fan of their lipsticks but i'm not a fan (laughs) i'm not a fan of the clogs not a no no i think the clogs are never okay. The they they can go with the the, the clogs, Louis Vuitton, the biker shorts. Oh oh! But you said biker shorts. I gotta go back to Balmain. He did biker shorts again, and I he made me like biker shorts. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like there are cl- there are pieces in this collection that are biker shorts that I really liked. But okay, I'm. <laughs> What Kool-Aid is Olivier sending you? <laughs> you are drinking it. I I, I love Olivier. <laughs> Olivier, you have a fan. Okay. Talk let's go from one from that Olivier to another. I did feel but, uh, bad that he saw me bash him on my Instagram story. I did feel bad. <laughs> he did see the Instagram story where we where yeah. Kelly tore him to shreds. No, of course I was praising him. Kelly was tearing him to shreds. I, I tagged him in a post, which I shouldn't have done. That said, if he 
ever works at Chanel, I'm hitting the streets in protest. And he's yeah, like, she did. <laughs> I was like, uh, I didn't expect him to be checking his Instagram notifications. <laughs> he's the king of Instagram. Did you really not expect? You know, that that would be like, you know, us saying something really bad about, you know, Brandon Maxwell or or Zach because those guys check their Instagram all the time. I should have seen it coming. I feel bad. I still think I'll hit the streets and protest, though. You'll be on your own. Maybe he could be at... Actually, I'm going to say that. Let's let's talk about that in a future episode. Our okay. dream swapping arounds. Um, let's talk about the other Olivier in Paris, which is Olivier Theskins. I really liked this collection. I just, I don't... I liked half of it. I'll say that. Okay. I... Back in his days at Rocha and Nina Ricci, I lived for Olivier Tiskin's uh, dresses. One of my very first vivid memories of fashion, and it was on a red carpet, was Sarah Jessica Parker in a Nina Ricci gown at the premiere of the first Sex in the City movie. It was my intro to Olivier Theskins. When he left Nina Ricci, he kind of faded into the background for a little bit. He took some sabbatical, and then he launched his, uh, his I always say this, I can't say eponymous, eponymous line. Mm. And I've been, you know, the first collection, I was thrilled. And then it got really bad, really bad, really bad. And I did like 78% of this collection. I did hate the casting and I hated the red wigs because it made it seem like everybody was the same. And I know they were different women. The, the It was vampire chic. The white gown that's very wispy. Yes. And it might just be be because of Emily in Paris and she's recently engaged. But I was like, I really would love to see Lily Collins wear that. That would be a good pick. I could see that. Yeah. I agree on the red wigs though. At first I liked it. And then I realized, oh, this is continuing on every model. But I'm not a big fan of, unless unless the wigs that you're going to put on a model on a show are just very outlandish. I'm not really a big fan of everyone having uniform hair. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I know there's diversity in Paris. Yeah. I know there's diversity in the modeling industry. Can we get it, please? Because look at what Milan is doing. (laughs) I mean, the. This collection is not it, it, the 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 casting is not vibing with me, um, but a lot of the clothes 
I am. There's a couple pieces that I love. I could see Gaga in some. I could see um, Kristen Stewart in a couple pieces. You know, Nicole Kidman in some. So I like that I can see a lot of different people. Okay. I I feel like we're going on a lot, but I do want to bring up Volley. What did you think of the spring collection? And I think it's important to note that Volley Couture is very different than Ready to Wear. Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Volley Ready to Wear. Um, it was flirty and fun. It was very cute. I could see it being sellable. Uh, I do not think the collection was helped by being shown in a white box. Uh, I think it needed some kind of gardeny setting to make it actually work. Uh, yeah, like what Ellie Saab did. But it was it was yeah. it, it was okay. I felt like okay, so they had that Giamba line for a while, and then it disappeared because I don't think it sold. And I felt oh. like, are they trying to make that happen? Still, I feel like it just hit a little too young. And it when they did it with Giamba, it must not have been successful because they discontinued that. So I was confused why they would try to hit that. Ever since, ever since Giambattista entered couture, I feel like his ready-to-wear has suffered. Now his ready to wear shows, and you've always you've always said that the H and M collabs are the kiss of death, and I didn't think it would happen with Volley, but maybe you're right. <laughs> I mean, some people were saying like, "Is this the H and M reject collection?" And I was like, oh, "I can, yeah." I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you don't need logos, you don't need branding on everything. Not every brand needs. Their, their name strewn across everything. The thing about his silhouettes and everything, like, I don't think he needs to put his late, his name on things. Like, you just know that it's a yeah. Giambattista Valley look. You don't need to cheapen yourself by putting your logo all over it. Your, art, spe your art speaks for itself. I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just looking at my notes, and I feel like we still have so many collections to talk about. I know. It was a big... All right. Pick a few that you want to talk about, and then let's do our best and our worst. Okay. Um, I want to know what you think of... I feel like it's been around for a couple seasons, but I have never really paid attention to it until now. But Roke? Yeah. I, I kind of felt like... Their collection was very much like what maybe Maria thinks she's doing at New York, <laughs> but isn't doing at Dior. So I loved this collection. Uh, it, it was great. Know, it's, it's, it's a great collection. But you know what my first thought was? What? Alessandro, is that you? It was very Alessandro Michele for yeah. Gucci. Like it was, it was the first thing I thought of, and then I'm like, "But this is done." B 
better because I actually it's better than Gucci. Most I mo- like almost everything. Like it's in my top ten collections of the season. It was, um, it was really sure. great. Did you like the fire? I loved it. Yes, and I think that's part of why I was thinking about Gucci because it reminded me of the Gucci show where they did the fire thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was obsessed with it. The uh, there's a black ball gown strapless that had a train, but there's like a a ring that you put around your wrist, and I'm like, I love it. It's a it's a look. It's going to take a white girl, but it's a look. Yeah. I think if any listeners have not seen the Roke, is that how you pronounce it? R-O-K-H collection? Because I think they're, you know, not a lot of people look to them, but definitely check it out. It's one to see from this week for sure. Definitely. Um, I think we can both give real quick thoughts on Carolina Herrera. Fine. I want more from Wes. I want more. Uh, my 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 only note that I wrote um it was a it was a pretty collection. I feel like I've seen a lot of it from other brands before. Um, but my thing was like this looks like Carolina Herrera collaborating with Giambattista Valli. Yeah. Um. It was a little disappointing. I love Wes. I loved his debut. I've, I've loved many of his other collections. This one just, it seemed more like a pre-collection than an actual seasonal collection. Um, looking at it now, there are, there's definitely a few looks that I would, that I really enjoy. But most of it, I could, off, I, I already had forgotten about it and I'll forget about it. The the only things I think of are honestly both things that I feel like I've seen from Oscar de la Renta, and that was the T length red brocade yes, gown. I'm looking at that one now, mm-hmm. and the black mermaid gown at the end reminded me of the Oscar de la Renta uh, that Sienna Miller wore to the Oscars the year that Coping took over de la Renta. Yeah. Uh, but they were both really good. Pe- They're both good, really good pieces. Yeah. Uh, I see what um, you mean about the volley. It it seems like a Giamba <laughs> collection. Yeah. Uh, okay. I saw a lot of designers. Um, let's talk about Paco Rabanne. Oh, I loved Left. This was one of the few shows that I actually did watch live. Oh and my gosh, it was good. It was good. There was chainmail and leopard and stars and embellishment, and it was fun. And there were non-protective face coverings. Um. And the range of people I could see wearing it was what really stood out to me. I kind of felt like it's it's what I hoped from Margiela this season, and I didn't really get. But who? Galliana. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, can Rihanna just wear 
this, please? Uh, Rihanna, Kate Hudson, um, Olivia Palermo, I could see Gaga, and Zendaya, and... Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, there's so many piece, people that I could see wearing these these looks. Uh, you know, Paco has been one of my favorite labels for a couple seasons now. Um, again, this is on my list of best collections of the season. I have to say, I think as a whole, the younger rising talent really excelled this season at Paris Fashion Week and I think outperformed the heavyweights. I think so too. Um, now let's talk about a heavyweight and then I think we have our last, oh no, we have two. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another one that's newer to the scene, Legacy House, and that is Scaparelli by Daniel Roseberry. I love it so much. And I really want that handbag. Um, I want the eye sun, the eyeglasses, um, which I think is going to be a, a big thing. I think Gaga's going to want them. I think her's going to want them. I think Cardi's going to want them. Uh, and I need them. Now, Scaparelli was is pretty, pretty back new to the whole ready to wear thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely a diffusion from what we expect from couture. And I loved, I loved but it. Not totally flat though. Not like volley, volley couture versus volley ready to wear. Like you right. could still see the artistry and the flavor that we loved from Scaparelli couture. Yeah, yeah. I, I Scaparelli ready to wear reminds me a lot of Votier ready to wear, mm-hmm. where it's just it's a commercialized version of couture. It's freaking fabulous. It is. I'm about it. I wrote love, color, cut, uh, and uh, I can't even speak my own words. Uh, and decadence. So, which is the core of Scaparelli. Like um, everything that I love about Scaparelli. Yes. Now let's talk about Mew Mew. I'll apply that one too. Yes. Fun. Now, fun fun. In, a, in a totally different way than yes. Scaparelli. Very sporty. Very, very sporty. Yeah. Uh, what I love about Mew Mew is that it's young, it's fun, it's sporty, it's but it's glamorous and feminine and extra. Um, I can already imagine red carpet moments off the runway, but I could also picture what Mucha is going to do for custom gowns. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the embellishments and you know taking a top, there's a the finale red or fuchsia pink embellished halter. Mm-hmm. I want to see a like crazy a line, lots of yardage chiffon skirt. Send it to Brie Larson. I've yeah. actually already talked to her stylist about it. <laughs> Please, because <laughs> I was like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll see it on Elle Fanning. I'm uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, 
what a delightful show. I And it was kind of like it was the last one of the last runway shows of Paris Fashion Week. And there was no in person, but they had all kinds of TV screens with where people were like watching the Zoom, it. The Zoom um, I don't know if they were yeah. watching Yeah, I don't know if they were watching it live or if it was recorded because I know Balmain did the TV screens, but those were pre-recorded. Yeah. Um, However, and we knew that together, because of Kim. It was. It was. It crazy. was nice. It, it gave yeah. us a nice. It, it allowed us to see the faces that we're so used to seeing. The Annas, um, you know, Kim at Balmain. I can. I can do Gabby without the Zoom guests. I can do without it. I don't. I don't need that. I didn't need it at Miu Miu, and I didn't need it at Balmain. Um, but I. I just thought it was a fun way yeah. to to bring it in. Yeah. To bring in the now into it and it kind of had oh i'm blanking on what is that show back in the 60s and 70s the stand i don't know it kind of reminded me of that like twiggy and stuff because it was a very mod type show i don't know Uh that yeah 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 it was very you know very twiggy-esque at mew mew i loved Um, it i did too Bravo, Mucha. Mm-hmm. You have you have succeeded in she- having both of your collections on my top ten. That doesn't happen every season. No. Um, and then I think we should close by talking about Christopher John Rogers. Close out our thoughts on what the collections were. Okay, yeah. So I was obviously blown away by what Christopher John Rogers unveiled it was the ultimate obama mic drop he saved the entire new york fashion scene with this landmark phenomenal glamorous colorful vibrant fun collection yeah uh he showed us why he's one that i think everybody needs to pay attention to yeah, and the CFDA is giving him awards. Enough of the the row. Come on. Uh, yeah. Uh, didn't he get new designer? I know he won the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, but I think he got. I think he was. I think he won emerging designer. Well, I remember him being nominated, but if he won, I eat my words. Good job, Anna Wintour. Let let's let's go. I will do the search right now. Because I do believe that he won. I remember the CFDA awards. I was like kind of really shocked that everybody who won won because yeah. it was very different than. Uh, if you're, if any of our listeners have not yet discovered Christopher John Rogers, you absolutely, you, you absolutely need to. And mean, talk about everything you would want from a rising star. And Kelly. Eat your words, because okay. he won American Emerging Designer of the Year. Anna Winter, I'm sorry. My mistake. And then but Gabriella Hurts. still enough of the row nominations. Yeah. Let's stop <laughs> nominating the row. Let's stop nominating Tom Ford. Yeah. I love Tom, let's, but let's move on. I mean, I love, to, I love Tom. I love the row. Mm-hmm. But they don't need awards. Nominations. Neither does Mark Jacobs, and I love Mark Jacobs. We do. Uh, I'm ready to see the CFDA nominate 
and award more new talent. Um, and yeah, Christopher John Rogers, easily one of the best collections in the, of the, the season, again, in my top 10. Uh, Phenomenal. Uh, I think it's funny how I say that Paris Fashion Week isn't necessarily, isn't my favorite Fashion Week, but there are quite a few collections from this that are on my top 10. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it as a collective, it it was a lot of, to me, a lot of the same. So that all being said, are we doing our favorite collections from Paris Fashion Week or are we doing our favorite collection from this it's too, season? It's too hard. I challenged Thomas to pick his best and his worst. And I think of the full fashion month might be too difficult, but let's stick with Paris for now. And then maybe in our future episode, we can look at because what's I could really answer, working. Well, fine. I, could answer I don't have right a now. best overall. Fine. Then you go knock it out. Okay. Best um, of Paris fashion week. I'm going to call it the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and my worst is going to be Dior. And my best of everything is going to be Fendi. And my worst of everything is going to be Dior. Best. <laughs> Poor Maria. We want, we love Dior. We want to love Dior again. Please. We love Dior's heritage. We don't love what Dior is now. Well, I mean, we love Dior. We want them to do well. She's just disappointing us. I'd like to look she, forward she to their collection. Weighed, she's what weighed Valentino down. I don't next know if time, you remember. Next time I feel like Dior has a show, I'm going to bring um, a vomit bucket and just have it <laughs> next to me. If We'll save we'll save the the, the Dior yeah. thoughts for the next episode because there there are things that we could definitely talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I've set the the tone. You now have to answer both. Okay, I'm gonna have to agree with you, of course, with Dior being the worst. Probably, I could say of the entire month as well. And then. I keep going back and forth between. Okay, I'm gonna go with Scaparelli. It's my favorite from Paris Fashion Week. Uh, and I think that shows. Our, I think that shows our our different aesthetics yeah. very well. Yeah, like you are very much more the the quirky but classic. Yes, and I am all about the give me the drama, the 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 avant garde, the the crazy, um, and that's what I love about Jonathan Anderson at Loewe. We didn't talk about his collection, his namesake collection, which was also great. It yeah. was, mm-hmm. it was. You know, he. If you guys don't know who Jonathan Anderson is, um, I definitely recommend going out and looking him up and researching his collections and his uh, his namesake label which is JW Anderson and then his uh, work at the way they I'm reneging I'm reneging I'm changing my worst to Givenchy 
just because of the downturn from where it was last season to where we are now. So your worst of Paris Fashion Week is Shivanshi. Are you still keeping Dior as your worst of the month? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I mean, could... like, I don't know. That might not even make sense then. I mean, it, it could... It... I just, I'm so, Dior disappointed me, but Dior has disappointed me for, for years. Givenchy went from being amazing to trash to a complete disaster. Uh, I can, I can, I can, you can take Givenchy, I'll trash Dior. We're not going to get invitations to either one of them anyway. So (laughs) I think it, I think it shows this, this season who, counts on Dior income to pay their bills and who doesn't um I'm looking at you Brian boy yeah uh when you said that Dior and Vuitton were the collections of the season boy I I saw that and I all I wanted to do was laugh yeah uh so that's 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 all about paris i mean we could go on there are still plenty of collections that we haven't talked about um paris is always going to be the epitome of fashion yeah i'm gonna you take the the episode out since i always seem to mess it up watch yes okay all right so if you have made it this far thank you of course for listening um i know we've been rambling on for quite a while um our our next episode will be furthering our talks on kind of the legacy houses and the leadership changes that we think need to be made um so and there's a lot of it yeah so we're definitely going to be sharing more thoughts on that so stay tuned for for those discussions and if you haven't yet please do give us a follow on instagram which is fashion forward friends we share everything that we're loving from the runway the red carpet and even a fly on Mike Pence's head. Uh, <laughs> so definitely give us a follow there. Uh, follow there as well. Please subscribe or follow to our podcast and rate us. Even if you think we're annoying, let us know. We want your feedback. Thank yes. you so much. And yes. as we always say, remember to stay chic and extremely opinionated yes all right you know we are <laughs>